Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Every gospel writer, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, point out that as Jesus came into the city of Jerusalem for the first time, they were reciting a line from Psalm 118, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, why were they all quoting Psalm 118 as Jesus came into Jerusalem on that first Palm Sunday? Well, Psalm 118 is the last Hallel Psalm. Hallel means praise in Hebrew. Uh, We have the Hebrew word hallelujah, which means praise the Lord. And uh, hopefully you may have received one of these mailers uh, this week as we invited many in our community to come and, and join us. In fact, maybe you're here today because you received this card. If so, hallelujah, the marketing strategy worked. So we're glad you're here. And, and of course, in the, when Jesus came into Jerusalem, it was Passover week. And there are six Hallel Psalms, six Psalms of praise, Psalm 113 to Psalm 118, that Jews would regularly recite and sing and praise as a part of Passover. But why is it that they're all quoting Psalm 118? I mean, when all four gospel writers tell us the exact same thing, we need to pay attention. What is it that's so special about Psalm 118 that all of the people of Jerusalem would be singing it as Jesus came into the city of Jerusalem? And not only that, but in Luke chapter 20, uh, Scott just read from Luke chapter 19, in the very next chapter, in Luke chapter 20, Jesus is in the temple and he quotes Psalm 118 to speak about himself. What is so special about Psalm 118? Well, as we continue our sermon series on prayers that guide us, this is one of the most important prayers in all of the Bible. So I would encourage you to turn in your Red Pew Bible to Psalm 118. It may be found on page 649, Psalm 118. But before I read God's word, let's call upon his spirit again to guide us in the reading and preaching of his holy word. Please join me as you pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you inspired the psalmist to put pen to paper, to write this beautiful song of thanksgiving and praise as we gather together this morning, just as the people did so many years ago on that first Palm Sunday, praising you using Psalm 118. God, we pray that as we read Psalm 118, that you might speak to us, that we might hear from you. We pray that the words of my lips and the meditation of all of our hearts might be acceptable in your holy sight. Through your son's precious name, we pray and all God's people said, amen. Psalm 118, beginning with verse one, listen to the word of the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Let Israel say, his steadfast love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, his steadfast love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, his steadfast love endures forever. Out of my distress, I called on the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me free. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is on my side as my helper. I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. 
All nations surrounded me. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me, surrounded me on every side. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me like bees. They went out like a fire among thorns. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. I was pushed hard so that I was falling, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Glad songs of salvation are in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord exalts. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. I shall not die, but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. The Lord has disciplined me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Open to me the gates of righteousness that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God, and he has made his light to shine upon us. Bind the festal sacrifice with cords up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will give thanks to you. You are my God, and I will extol you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Here ends the reading of God's word as the prophet Isaiah tells us, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord stands forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Psalm 118 is a prayer of thanksgiving. Like most prayers of thanksgiving, it celebrates God's deliverance. It reports the trouble that the person was in and then explains how God rescues the person and then they offer praise and thanksgiving for his deliverance. If you'll remember several weeks ago, we talked about the prayer that Jonah prayed inside the belly of the fish. It was a a prayer of personal thanksgiving. As Jonah was all alone, having been delivered from certain drowning, he gives thanks to God, even in the midst of a dark and smelly place. If you'll remember that sermon from a few weeks ago, and you can download it if you don't, uh, you can highlight the fact that even in the midst of darkness, it is good for us to give thanks to God. Because as we give thanks to God, We were reminded of God's presence, God's provision, and God's power. Have you ever experienced dark circumstances before when the future didn't look so bright? Of course you have. We've all experienced dark circumstances. Perhaps the relationship has ended and we don't know what is next. Or the layoff has come and we're not sure where we can find work. Or the stock market crashes and everyone's anxious about their retirement accounts and when will they be able to finally retire? Or even worse, the dreaded diagnosis comes and the medical treatment seems uncertain and severe. Or sadly, the loved one dies and now we don't know what we can do to help stop the grief. In this fallen and broken world, we have all experienced dark circumstances, and we will probably experience them again because death 
has a place here on this earth. It's not all beds and roses. It's not all good here on this earth. This is a part of this fallen, broken world. We will experience dark days. And we know that we'll probably experience them again. On Wednesday, I went with my father to his oncology, uh, oncologist appointment. And he's completed his radiation for his prostate cancer this Friday. And uh, he has a tumor that was on his spine. Uh, he has stage four cancer. The cancer has spread throughout his body. And so uh, after the radiation, he's going to have a, an operation uh, tomorrow to put a port in so that he might start chemo uh, right after Easter. And as we were talking to the oncologist and the nurse about uh, what, what was in store for him, we talked about the different side effects of the chemo. He's taking the second strongest form of chemo for prostate cancer. He's probably going to have nausea, then vomiting, diarrhea or constipation, exhaustion, high risk of infection. In fact, if his, his temperature ever goes to 100.5, then he's going to have to be rushed to the hospital because he has an infection that could possibly kill him as his immune system has been depleted through the chemo. It's made very clear to me that this is very serious stuff. The immediate future doesn't look that bright. It's going to be hard. This chemo is not going to be easy. And even if the chemo is successful in helping get his numbers back to normal, the fact is that the the chemo cannot completely eradicate the cancer cells. They'll simply be dormant or perhaps pushed back for a while. We're simply trying to prolong his life, to extend his life for just a little bit longer. What are we to do when the future it doesn't look that bright? I think we should turn here and see what the psalmist says. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Notice that the psalmist invites us to give thanks to God, not because life is good. Life isn't necessarily good. In fact, life can often be very hard. Life can be very difficult. Life can be filled with challenges. But God is always good. I don't know about you, but it brings me comfort to be reminded that our God is good. Our God is powerful. Our God is great. And we know the goodness of our God, particularly this Holy Week, as we turn to the cross of Christ, if we see that even though we were sinful, rebellious people, God doesn't abandon us in our sin. No, God in His goodness and His love sent His Son, who was without sin, to pay the price for our sins so that we could be reconciled to God once and for all. And then on the third day, He rose again and and conquered sin and death on our behalf so that we could have the assurance of eternal life, eternal communion with God if we simply believe in Him. Yes, our God is good. He is very good. And the Apostle Paul reminds us in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to to his purpose. Our God is good, and in his power, he's working all things for our good. I I don't always see how it's working for my good in the here and now, but the reality is we know that God, in the end, works all things for our good because he is a good God, even though this life is not always good. And we have a good God, a God who is with us, a God who is for us, a God who is in control. And it's the steadfast love of God and the goodness of God that moves the psalmist to invite everyone to say with him, 
His steadfast love endures forever. In verses 2 to 4 of Psalm 118, we read, Let Israel say, His steadfast love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, His steadfast love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, His steadfast love endures forever. Let First Press say, His steadfast love endures forever. I just added that. That's not in there. But it's appropriate. That the people of God should come together on Sunday and say that his steadfast love endures forever. Yes, Psalm 118 is a corporate prayer of thanksgiving and praise. Jonah's prayer was a, a personal prayer of thanksgiving. Psalm 118 is a corporate prayer of thanksgiving. It's intended to be said and to be prayed and sung as a part of a community of faith. Notice that this corporate of corporate prayer of thanksgiving, though, initially it begins as one person giving thanks to God and praise for his personal deliverance. And then he's inviting others to join him in that great thanksgiving. Now, scholars are divided on who actually wrote Psalm 118. They know that it was most likely a king, but they're not as sure which king. Many of them believe that it was probably King David who wrote Psalm 118. And in verses 5 to 14, The author of Psalm 118 is distressed, and he gives a description of how God delivers him in the midst of his distress. Psalm 118, beginning with verse 5, we read, Out of my distress I called on the Lord. The Lord answered me, and he set me free. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is on my side as my helper. I shall not look in triumph on those who hate me. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. All nations surrounded me. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me, surrounded me on every side. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me like bees. They went out like a fire among thorns. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. I was pushed hard so that I was falling, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. The king of Psalm 118 describes how all nations surround, were surrounding him like a, a, a group of bees coming at him from every side. He was surrounded with very little hope of being delivered. It reminds me of what happened to the, the Allied forces on the beaches of Dunkirk at the early stages of World War II. You've seen that movie, Dunkirk. It portrays the story of how over 300,000 Allied forces were surrounded by the German army, an army of over 800,000 strong. The German forces were coming down upon those Allied forces on the beaches of Dunkirk, and there was very little hope of their escape. They were blocked by the sea. The situation looked very bleak in 1940, as the Germans also controlled the air over Dunkirk at that time. Did you happen to see the movie Darkest Hour? It's about Winston Churchill and how he led England at that time during that darkest hour in 1940 during the Battle of Dunkirk. Actor Gary Oldman actually won Best Actor for his portrayal of Winston Churchill. He did an amazing job. If you remember, at that time, Churchill becomes prime minister. He had just become prime minister, and he's got a war cabinet. And some people on the war cabinet are telling him that he needs to... We need to negotiate with Hitler. There's very, hope, very little hope of success. So he should try to negotiate some type of armistice now since the, since the army is surrounded by all these Germans. But if you'll remember in the movie, uh, Winston Churchill says, you can't 
negotiate with a tiger when your head is in his mouth. You have no leverage. (laughs) He knows we shouldn't negotiate with Hitler. But everyone's telling him that's the only way to make sure there's not a slaughter. Churchill in the movie decides to, Gary Oldman decides to go and and listen to the people of England. And so he decides to ride the subway. And you can tell he's never been on it before. He gets to the map. He's not sure where to go. He asks a little girl. He tells her which tube he needs to get on in order to go to Westminster. He gets on the subway. And as he enters, everyone stands to attention. They've never seen the prime minister in a subway before. He's got his top hat on and the cigar and his cane. And he gets to his seat and he looks around. He says, what's wrong with you people? Haven't you ever seen the prime minister on a subway before? Everyone laughs at that. Because they never have. And then he sits down and he, he asks them, how are you feeling? How are your spirits? He said, well, we feel good. We feel good. He said, well, what if the Germans come to our island and they begin to, well, they come here and they, they begin to attack us. What will you do? And one man says, well, we'll fight. And everyone says, yes, yes, we'll fight. We'll fight. And then one, one housewife says, yes, I'll fight them off with my broomstick if I have to. Everyone laughs at that. And he says, yes, but what if we could negotiate? What if we could negotiate with Mr. Hitler some type of treaty? Should we negotiate with Mr. Hitler? And then a little girl stands up. This cute, precious little five-year-old stands up and says, Never! Never negotiate with Hitler! And before you know it, everyone is saying, Never, never, never should we negotiate with Hitler! And then the movie flashes forward to that famous speech that Winston Churchill gave to the people of England in its darkest hour. Even though large tracts of Europe and many old and famous states have fallen or may fall into the grip of the Gestapo and all the odious apparatus of Nazi rule, we shall not flag or fail. We shall go on to the end. We shall fight in France. We shall fight on the seas and oceans. We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall defend our island, whatever the cost may be. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. And if, which I do not for a moment believe, this island or a large part of it were subjugated and starving, then our empire beyond the seas, armed and guarded by the British fleet, would carry on the struggle until... In God's good time, the new world, with all its power and might, steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of the old. In God's good time. You know, if you Google that speech, it often gives you a truncated version of it. And they, t- they often cut off that last sentence. In God's good time. As a young man in his 20s, Churchill identified himself as agnostic. But after many close uh, brushes with death, he became a believer. There's a new book entitled God and Churchill, co-authored by Churchill's great-grandson, that reveals that Churchill, while he wasn't the, the most consistent church-going person, was a man of deep faith who believed in the providence of God. And if you listen to Churchill's speeches He will regularly either quote scripture or he'll point people to the saving hand of God. Because Churchill knew, as Psalm 118 tells us in verses 8 to 9, it is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. 
It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. Our strength, our deliverance, our salvation is found in the Lord, for he is our rock and our refuge and ever-present help in times of trouble. The Lord is our strength and our song. Our salvation is found in him and him alone. For as verse 22 states, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. Jesus actually quotes uh, verse 22 in in Luke chapter 20 as he's teaching in the temple. He quotes verse 22, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. He identifies himself as that cornerstone. For you see, in ancient times, they used to take a cornerstone and, and it was the first stone that would be placed for a new building. And the cornerstone was the stone that connected two walls together. And Jesus, as God's cornerstone, has connected the Jewish people, God's chosen people, with the Gentiles, with the non-Jewish people, so that everyone might experience the saving love and salvation of our God. This last week, we mailed out a whole lot of these to your neighbors, to your friends, your coworkers, classmates, family members, but there's nothing like a personal invitation to say, hey, come and join me in the celebration of our saving God. For Jesus says in the gospel of Matthew, chapter 11, 28 to 30, he invites everyone to come to him. Matthew chapter 11, 28 to 30, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Who in your life today is going through a hard time? Whose burden is heavy and too heavy for them to carry? My friends, this is the week. There is not a better week in the year to invite a friend to come to church, to join us on Monday, Thursday, when this sanctuary will be filled with Presbyterians and and Church of Christ and Methodists and anybody else who wants to come. It'll be great as we gather together at the Lord's table, a wonderful reminder of God's sacrificial love. And then we'll gather together on that Friday night at 8 o'clock for that service of darkness, reminding us that when Jesus was crucified, darkness came over all the land and there seemed to be no hope. But that was Friday. Sunday was coming. And on Sunday, Jesus rose again and he conquered sin and death on our behalf so that we might have the full assurance of eternal life, that we might know for sure what the psalmist says, thanks be to God for our God's steadfast love endures forever, for all eternity. Nothing can separate us from love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And that's good news worth celebrating. Amen? Amen. And invite a friend to join us in the celebration. For this psalm begins as an individual, corporate, individual prayer of thanksgiving and moves to a corporate prayer of thanksgiving, saying, come and join me, Israel. Come and join me, the sons of Aaron. Come and join me, all you people of God, to celebrate that the Lord's steadfast love endures forever. Please join me as you pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you that your steadfast love endures forever. We thank you that you're the God who has made yourself known to us through your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, 
who paid the price for our sins with his death on a cross, who conquered sin and death on the third day when he rose again, so that we might know with full assurance that death does not have the final say for those who call upon the name of the Lord, that no matter how dark the hour may be, you are still with us and your steadfast love endures forever. You will deliver us. You are our salvation. And for that, we give you thanks and praise. Lord, help us to invite others to join us in the celebration this week. We pray this in the strong name.